0: today. Well, thank you. I'm glad three or four of you are here. (laughs) We do miss the ladies who are at the retreat, but uh, our men in the choir did a good job today. Thanks, guys, for for doing that by yourselves today. And we certainly pray God's blessing upon S.W.O.R.D. and uh, Suzanne Laurenti, the director, Steve Jones, our, our music pastor who's along with them on this trip, and ask God to use them today in Arnold. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to uh, acknowledge my family here today. I have a number of my family. Uh, Family, would you stand wherever you are? I can't see out there very well. All right, some in the back, some in the front. Corey and Kelly, Mike and Julie, and uh, Emily, Luke. And uh, my wife, Jeanette. What's the occasion? Well, I have a birthday this weekend. (laughs) And uh, I've got to share with you what happened Thursday night. I had no idea all of these people were coming to our house. So Thursday night, I was working out in the yard a little bit, came in, took my shower. I was sitting there dressed for bed, basically. And the doorbell rang. And uh, Jeanette said, well, I'll get it. And I was happy for her to do that because I wasn't prepared to go to the door and I heard her say, no, we don't want any this time. And I thought, what child is at the door selling something this time of night? And then about two seconds later, a little person came walking into the room where I was, my granddaughter, Natalie, and she stuck her head around the corner and she said, happy birthday, Papa. (laughs) Wow! Wow, what are you doing here? It was a great evening. I'll tell you, it's been a wonderful weekend to have them all here to, to share this um, glum day with me. <laughs> well, today we're going to begin a series on facts or faith, faith or facts. Is it reasonable to believe? In Hebrews chapter 11, we have a definition of sorts about faith. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In other words, faith deals with a future beyond our experience and the invisible that is beyond our senses. It goes on to say, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then those next four words tie together for this series. By faith we understand. By faith we reason out, we come to an understanding. We use our minds and we see that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Faith and reason are often portrayed and perceived as enemies, as combatants in a war. This has been especially true in the West since the Enlightenment and the Renaissance period. With its exaltation of humanism, and a belief that the material world is all there is to reality. Over the centuries since that time, a gulf has been created between religion, faith, and science, or reason. The former religion is often depicted as repressive, whereas the latter, science or reason, are depicted as progressive. There are many in our world today who would agree with these comments from a gentleman by the name of Don Byerly, who has a Ph.D. in life sciences. He says, During my undergraduate and early graduate studies in the natural sciences, I was cynical about faith and religious people. I viewed faith as anti-intellectual, an excuse for a lack of hard knowledge. Science, on the other hand, dealt with objective truth in the real world. Religious faith was not truth. It was personal preference and opinion. The strongest faith was that which a believer held on to without any real evidence. Indeed, in spite of evidence, to the contrary." He goes on to say, furthermore, I caricatured faith as an emotion. It was a kind of security blanket for the less informed and insecure. These people used religion to generate a false confidence, but I suspected that it was an illusion. In reality, I thought there was little substance there. It was my third caricature that revealed the most about me. I felt that religious faith was a crutch For weak people. Have you ever heard people say things like that? Very common in the day in which we live. We are now engaged in a great cultural war, in fact, in our nation. It is often framed as a war between those who adhere to faith and those who adhere to reason. The struggle is very visible from the Terry Schiavo tragedy to the battle over gay marriage to the fight over the filibuster rule in the Senate. Senator Frist is being attacked from liberal quarters because today he is choosing as the majority leader of the United States Senate to speak to people of faith. And we often hear that phrase, don't we, people of faith, as though that is a subcategory of the whole population. The implication of that phrase, the people of faith, is this, that there are some people, a fanatic minority, who are religious in their worldview, and who are to be regarded with fear, suspicion, and even Contempt. They have an agenda, we are told. They want to impose their beliefs and their values on the rest of us. Have you ever heard anything like that? And of course, the us refer to those who have laid aside religious superstition, who are intelligent, who believe in reason and in science. I hope you are smart enough to know that that whole framing of the issue is a fallacy, but it's the common dogma of the secularists who control the media in our nation. Greg Kokel is uh, a wonderful Christian and has a radio broadcast down in the, the uh, L.A. area. He says this, I don't like the word faith, not because faith isn't valuable, but because it's often deeply misunderstood. Faith in this twisted sense is what you use when all reason is against you. It's religious wishful thinking in which one squeezes out spiritual hope by intense acts Of sheer will. People of faith believe the impossible. People of faith believe that which is contrary to fact. People of faith believe that which is contrary to evidence. People of faith ignore reality. Isn't that so often how it's depicted in our world? Faith indeed is often misunderstood. Facts are that faith is not the possession of a few. As we'll see in a moment, faith is universal among all human beings. Nor is faith feelings or emotion or sentiment. Faith is not the opposite or the antithesis of facts. Then what is faith? What does it mean to believe in a biblical sense. Well, it's more than merely intellectually accepting something, as Hebrews 11 makes clear. Faith really involves three elements. First, it involves knowledge. Knowledge. It involves the intellect. It involves knowing something. Secondly, it involves assent or the acceptance of what you have learned as fact. And third, it involves a submission or a dependence upon what you have learned and accepted as fact. So it's knowledge, it is assent, and then it is an act of will that chooses to depend upon those facts. Faith is not the opposite of facts It rests upon facts. Faith that is composed of these three elements leads to tangible, visible, observable life change. Actions in the life. It cannot be separated from the deeds of the life. It produces change, it works itself out. And so Abel believed. And therefore he offered a proper sacrifice to God. Enoch believed, and so he walked with God. And Noah believed, and so he built a boat, an ark. And Abraham believed, and so he left Ur the Chaldees, and he, he went off to the land that God promised him. He lived in tents. He believed God, and he fathered Isaac in his old age. And then after that, he offered up Isaac as a sacrifice because he believed. You see, real faith always leads to action in the life. I want to talk about faith and facts. And today, to think about this question is it a reasonable thing to believe? I have some statements I want to make. The first one is this, and I've alluded to it already, that everybody believes in something. Everybody has some fundamental idea or assumption or hypothesis that they they live out in their lives. Even an atheist... Lives with a certain presupposition, and that is that there is no God. And my friend, that is a statement of faith. That is a statement of faith because it cannot be demonstrated that there is no God. When an atheist says, I do not accept the notion of a God, that is faith at work in his life. Everybody believes something. Faith is a God-given peculiarity of all human beings. It is as human to believe and to have faith as it is to think and to reason. Now, does that mean that all faith is equally valid? No, of course it does not. You see, the validity of what a person believes depends upon the object of his faith. You say, well, he's sincere about it. It doesn't make any difference. A person may sincerely believe that he can fly. I mean, he can have the deepest faith possible in that notion that he can fly, but if he tries it, he's going to find that his faith is not valid. A person can believe that he or she is healthy And truly believe that, and the next day find that that faith is not valid because they may be dying of something. A person may believe the Book of Mormon is the supernatural translation of tablets with Egyptian hieroglyphics and that this writing was revealed by Moroni, an angel, to Joseph Smith. You can honestly, deeply, sincerely believe that. But is that faith valid? Do the facts back up that faith? A person may believe that humans originated out of primordial slime and really honestly believe that. And that he is the result of the selection of the fittest over eons of time. You can honestly, sincerely believe that, but do the facts back it up? A person may believe that he will be like God if he eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve believed that. Did the facts back it up? No. No. My point today in this first part of my message is that all people are people of faith. This whole notion that people of faith are the weird minority in our nation is absolutely fallacious because all people are people of faith. All people. But not all faith is equally valid or correct. The second statement I want to make is this. Everyone is capable of reason. Everybody can believe and does believe something. And secondly, everyone is capable of reason. That is God's gift. Some well-intentioned Christians have said that Christians should avoid reason and avoid developing the intellect. That is absolutely wrong. You see, we have that capacity given to us by God. It's a part of the image of God in us, in every healthy human being. He provides us with the capacity to think and to analyze and to come to conclusions. For example, David says in Psalm 8, when I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you've set in place, you see what David is saying there? I'm thinking about this. I look around in nature and I am thinking, I am reasoning out and my conclusion is, God, what is man that you're mindful of him in light of all this glory that I see? God said through Isaiah the prophet, I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set pines in the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together, so that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. God wants us to think and to consider Jesus said to a crowd one day, consider the ravens. Think about them. He says, put your mind into motion. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? He says, think about that. Civilization and human progress have been built upon man's ability to be logical To consider, to reject what is obviously false, and to accept what is deemed to be true. That ability is God's gift to man, so that man can fulfill his stewardship and rule in God's creation. Everyone is capable of reason. Some people think that to become a Christian, you have to turn off your brain. But nothing is further from the truth than that. Indeed, we dare not turn off our brains. God has given us brains to work with, not to play with. A Christian must be committed above everyone to the development of his intellect, to true science, to the exploration of nature and of ideas. No Christian needs to fear or to be intimidated by honest human reasoning in the sciences. There's nothing to fear there. British clergyman and author John Stott writes, Don't neglect your critical faculties. Remember that God is a rational God who has made us in his own image. God invites and expects us to explore his double revelation in nature and scripture, with the minds he has given us, and to go on in the development of a Christian mind to apply his marvelous revealed truth to every aspect of the modern and postmodern world. If you are in school, I want to encourage you, go as far as you can and develop that mind that God has given to you. By faith, understand. By faith, understand. In our day, it's more common for us to be involved in amusement than it is to be involved in education. Have you ever thought about the word amusement? What does it mean to muse? To think, exactly. You put an A in front of it, and what does that do? That negates it. It's the opposite of thinking. And what's the opposite of thinking? It's video games. (laughs) That's the opposite of thinking. Parents, you need to limit the time your children play on video games. Oh, there's a place to have fun and all of us need recreation, even for the mind. But let us not get caught up into this silly amusement. Amusement that is so characteristic of our age. That's the opposite of what God wants us to do. He's given us the ability to reason and he wants us to use our minds. Now the third statement is this, that reason has its limits. Human intellect is great, but it's finite. It has restrictions. So human reasoning cannot arrive at all of the answers on its own. There are some things that cannot be known or discovered, even by the most brilliant scholars, researchers, theoreticians, scientists, theologians. You see, rational thought is based upon what we know, what we experience, what we've observed. And there is a fundamental truth that we all run into. Nobody knows everything, not even your mother. Nobody knows everything. There are some things that we do not know and we cannot know because they are infinite. They are divine. It is in this whole realm that we depend upon God to show us those mysterious things that he reserves For his realm, but then he reveals them to us through his word. Just because something cannot be fully known, however, does not mean it's unreasonable to believe things about it. For example, I do not know everything that is in the ocean. I don't. I know there's water there, that's a good place to start. I know there are fish. And there are shell creatures, and there's seaweed, and I could go down a list here today and talk about the things that are in the ocean, but I don't know everything in the ocean. Yet it's still reasonable, isn't it, for me to believe that no humans can actually live there? I can come to that conclusion, I think. I don't know everything about the ocean, but there are things I can believe about it. Let's talk to our friend, an atheist, who says, well, I have no rational basis for believing that there is a God. Well, friend, atheist, let me ask you a question. Do you know everything there is to know? And if he's honest, he'll have to say, no, I don't. And so my reply to him is, well, if you don't know everything, then how can you reasonably argue that there is no God out there and all of that stuff you don't know? That's why in Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 14, 1, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. You can't reasonably say that. Human reasoning is a marvelous gift But it is not infallible, and it is not infinite. Human reasoning can make mistakes. Logic can fail you. You may follow this little bit of syllogism that says, Oak trees are strong. I am strong. Therefore, I am an oak tree. Oops. There's some logic that's wrong there. Reasoning can also, is is also not infinite. It is limited. You see, reasoning can only take you to a certain point of conclusion beyond which you cannot go. Reason is bound by the depraved and darkened mind of fallen man. There were three old men who went to the doctor for a memory test. The doctor said to the first old man, what is one plus one? 274, he replied. The doctor said to the second man, it's your turn. What is one plus one? Tuesday, he said. The doctor said to the third man, okay, sir, it's your turn. What is one plus one? 2 said the third man that's great said the doctor how did you get that simple said the third man i subtracted 274 from tuesday <laughs> so sometimes you can come to the right conclusions but your reasoning is wrong you see reason has limits it's fallible it's finite The fourth statement I want to make is that reason and faith work together. In fact, reason and faith cannot be separated if it's biblical faith. Faith and the ability to reason are not enemies, they are allies. Pope John Paul II wrote to the cardinals, or the the bishops, rather, of his church in 1998 And he said, faith and reason are like two wings on which the human spirit rises to the contemplation of truth. Two wings of a bird. Reason can serve faith in a couple of different ways. In the first place, it can provide a basis for faith. Look at the creation around us. That's what David did in Psalm 8. He says, I reason to myself when I look at the heavens and this is my conclusion. He says, God, you exist, and what is man that you're mindful of him? We are not you, God. We're small compared to you. And then reason can also reveal an invalid faith. For anyone who looks seriously at the Book of Mormon has to come to the conclusion that this book is so obviously flawed and full of errors that I need to reconsider that I'm basing my faith upon this. Reason can serve faith. The final thing I want to say is this, that faith surpasses reason. I said to you that reason can take you so far on your journey, and then it must stop. Faith carries you forward when reason has reached its limits. Abraham was told to offer up his son Isaac, the son of promise. Does that seem reasonable to you? God had said to Abraham, it is through this boy's Generations, that I will fulfill my promise to you. And now God says, I want you to slay your son. That seems highly unreasonable to me. Does it to you that God would tell him to do that? And yet Abraham went beyond his reason by faith. And he concluded, by faith, God must be going to raise him from the dead. That's the only thing I can see. Because I know God, and God has given me a promise. And that promise must be fulfilled in this son he wants me to kill. And so, in a figure, he offered up Isaac to God. His faith prompted him to act. Noah was told to build a boat in the middle of a plain, And by the way, the weather report had never said storms tomorrow. It had never rained. And yet God said, build a boat here in the middle of this plain. Does that seem reasonable to you? It didn't seem very reasonable to those neighbors of Noah who came by and mocked him and jeered at him and ridiculed him. What a stupid thing to do, Noah, to waste your time building this boat. You can't even drag it over here to the river or to the sea. It's unreasonable, Noah. But Noah believed God. God said, this is going to happen and you'd better do this. And so Noah, by faith, built a boat. The people of Israel under Joshua marched around Jericho seven days. And on the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. God, what is this? We're to march around this city and blow Trumpets? Does that really seem like a reasonable battle plan to you, God? God said, do what I tell you to do. Go beyond what you can reason and believe my promise. And so they did it and the walls of Jericho came down. Do you see my point? Faith grasps what reason cannot grasp. Because faith is based upon God's Word, God's revelation. And God's revelation always, always, always trumps human reason. Always. Do you remember that game you may have played as a child called Scissors, Paper, Rock? You beat up another person's arm through that or had your arm black and blue because of Scissors, Paper, Rock? Paper covers what? But scissors cut paper. You see, one or the other always trumps, and I will tell you that God's Word always trumps human reason. And secondly, faith produces what reason cannot produce. Why? Because it is based upon God's work. Reason deals with the natural realm, but faith taps into the supernatural realm. And so it always surpasses reason. And my conclusion today for you is this, that it is reasonable to believe, it is reasonable to believe, if what you believe is demonstrably true. Absolutely, that is the case. In fact, I would say to you that it's unreasonable not to believe what is true. That's insanity. That is irrational. Now, should I believe that there was a big bad wolf that was mean to three little pigs one day? Should I believe that? Well, it's in a book. But it's a fairy tale. Should I believe that two plus two equals five? Or Wednesday or Thursday? No. That's demonstrably not true. To believe that is, is irrational. Should I believe that the raising of temperature of, of water to 100 degrees centigrade at standard pressure will produce ice crystals? Probably not. Just the opposite. Should I believe that taxes will decrease? <laughs> is that demonstrably true anywhere? Should I believe that a leopard can change its spots or that a camel can contort to go through the eye of a needle? On the other hand, should I believe that there is a God? Is that a reasonable thing for me to believe? I think it is, and we're going to talk about that next week. But you say, what if something cannot be demonstrated with evidence Well, there are things like that. For example, can it be demonstrated that God came into the world of time and space himself? You can't put that in a test tube. You can't demonstrate it in that way, at least. Is it reasonable to believe that a man rose from the dead to immortality? Can you demonstrate that? Well, No, you can't really demonstrate it. That's why I want to say this, it is still reasonable to believe if what you're placing your faith on, what you believe, is a trustworthy source. Even if something cannot be demonstrated reasonably, it is still reasonable to believe if what you believe comes from a source that you can trust. And so you have to ask yourself, is what I believe valid as fact? Is it trustworthy? Is the source of my faith valid? If the source of your faith is the Bible, I want to tell you that it is absolutely trustworthy for your faith. You may not be able to demonstrate to the satisfaction of your reason or somebody else's reason that something is true. But my friend, if God settle, says it, that settles it. Amen. And we're going to talk about that too in coming weeks. How do we know we can trust the Bible? You say, well, you know what? I do believe all of this, but I still struggle with doubt. Let me say to you that that is normal. That is normal, and it's especially normal as part of the process of growing up and owning your own faith. All of our children went through periods of doubt. As your children grow up, they will doubt things that you have taught them or that they've learned in church. That's healthy. Because that's part of the process of them thinking about it. And then coming to the place, by God's grace and through your prayers, where they own it for themselves. A person who never doubts, never thinks. Someone has said faith is not the absence of doubt it is a decision based on the evidence at hand John Milton the famous English writer said a man may be a heretic in the truth if he believes things only because his pastor says so or the assembly says so determines without knowing other reason though his belief be true yet the very truth he holds becomes his heresy What is Milton saying? You have to own it for yourself. The bottom line is that you are either a person of faith, whoever you are, you are rather a person of faith, whoever you are, and the real question is is your faith valid? Is it valid? In Corinthians it says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Does your faith rest upon what is certain and true? Is it reasonable? And if it can't be demonstrated as reasonable, does it come to you from a source that you can trust? If the answer is yes, then your faith is a legitimate faith. and You can know the facts and you can accept them as true and you can base your life upon them as an act of your will and go forward and live it out and act it out for God in this world. God has given enough reason in this world to make faith a most reasonable thing, but he has left out enough to make it impossible to live by reason alone. Would you pray together with me, please? Father, my prayer today is that you will Enable us to each own our faith and to not be afraid of thinking. And when we face doubts as a healthy spiritual process in our lives, to go through that process of exploration and discovery and thinking until we have settled the issue. I thank you for the young men and women of this church. Who are growing up in a difficult day, I pray for them that as they encounter unbelief and people of faith of other persuasions, that you will grant to them by your grace to persevere and to become fully grown, mature men and women of the faith. And help all of us who live in this world that is so twisted in its understanding of what faith really is and who lives by faith. Help all of us to think correctly and to persevere and to be your people and to not be confused or deceived or led astray by the foolishness of man. But like those people of Hebrews 11, to find approval because we have indeed lived By faith. In Jesus' name, amen.